Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. So let's, let's look at the map again and, and just get a perspective here. So there's, there's, um, there's two million Israelites on this side of the Jordan. So this is the Jordan River, runs right down from the Sea of Galilee, right down to the Dead Sea. This is the Jordan River. You've got, you've got Jerusalem over here. This is 20 miles. So, so it, it's not that big across. So you've got two million, about 1.5 million are going to cross because there's, there's uh, uh, Reuben, Gad, and a half-tribe of Manasseh. So two and a half tribes are gonna, going to settle on, on the, the, um, the east side of the Jordan. <clears throat> One and a half come across the Jordan, and they're going to settle in Gilgal, right next to Jericho, just on the plains of Jericho. From that one and a half million people, when the Jordan River dries up, it was such a testimony to the people of that place that not only does it say the kings near here, but even those that it says are by the great sea, that is the Mediterranean, had heard how the, how the river Jordan had dried up to let one and a half million people pass. And that's why it says that when they heard that, their hearts melted. There was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. They were so demoralized, they saw that indeed this was a miracle. This was an act of God that, it, that caused the Jordan to dry up. So that, that's, uh, that's where we are. And now they're, they're, they've just crossed. It says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make for yourselves flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath. Haraloth. That is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised. But all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that He would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their children whom He raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. So you had the Jews come out of Egypt, which is down over here, and they came, came down and they wandered in, in this desert area, which is all down here for 40 years, 40 years wandering in that area. The reason they didn't get into the land initially, they would have been only in, in the desert for one year, is because of disobedience. There was a covenant long before Moses that was made with Abraham concerning all the people of his descendants. So let's look at that covenant. That's in Genesis chapter 17, in the book of Genesis chapter 17, and uh, reading from verse 1. 
is a promise that God made to, to Abram before he had even changed, God had changed his name to Abraham. He made a covenant with him. He says in, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be named Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will, I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. I will be, I will be their God. <clears throat> so what, he, what God promises <clears throat> Abram is that this whole part of the land this is the land of Canaan. He promises him this part of the land. In this particular passage, he doesn't get into the details of, of the borders of this land, but in many other passages he does. He actually says that the land is going to go from the river of Egypt, from, from the river of Egypt, which is all the way over here, the Nile River, all the way up and across, and it extends all the way to the Euphrates, which is current-day Iraq. Now, we know that Israel is not going to get that land until the Messiah comes. But this, but this is certainly part of the territory that was given to them. And this is what he's mapping out here, the land of Canaan. He says, but there's a condition. He says in verse 9, God said further to Abram, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generation. A servant who is born in the house or who is born with money or who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants, is also, in fact, he says, they're also to be circumcised. He says, a servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. They shall, uh, thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. So there was a promise to Abraham, a covenant of the land and also the covenant of circumcision. And even today, in, in any Jewish home, males eight days old, they are going to be circumcised. This is, this is a practice, and this is a, 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 a firm practice of, a, among the Jews, even more than bar mitzvah, for example. Bar mitzvah is not specifically noted in the Bible. Bar mitzvah is actually uh, uh, something that, that came later that Jesus spoke about. It came after the Old Testament, but, but uh, uh, it's acknowledged actually in, in uh, portions of the scripture uh, uh, later on. But um, uh, uh, so circumcision was something that had to be done. Now, why wouldn't the children of Israel be circumcised during their, their 40 years wandering in the wilderness? 
So everybody who was in Egypt had told us in Joshua chapter 5, all the males had been circumcised. They come out of Egypt and then at Mount Sinai something happened. At Mount Sinai, you you might remember that there there were 12 spies who were sent into the land, into the land of Canaan. And they came back and 10 of the 12 spies brought back a bad report. After that bad report, the children of Israel grumbled against God. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, only two of the spies, said, no, we can go in and take that land. So if all of that generation, everybody 20 years old and upward, died in the wilderness. During that time, God broke covenant because they broke covenant, wouldn't take the land, and He would not allow them to be circumcised for that 39 years in the wilderness because it was one year into the wilderness when, when, that, when, when they were supposed to uh, uh, go and spy out that land. So if we turn to Numbers chapter 14, the book of Numbers chapter 14, and we're going to start reading uh, down at verse 26. Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. And so you can see you can see exactly this experience happening. Numbers 14.26 Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? So what was happening? The congregation, the children of Israel, were grumbling against God. He had told them to take the land. Ten spies brought back a bad report. The report was, it is a great land. It indeed flows with milk and honey, meaning that it is a very productive land. But they brought back a report and they said in Numbers chapter 12, the guys there are huge <clears throat> and, and uh, we will become their prey. There's no way we could take that land. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, we can do it. We can take the land. But as a result of this, it says, no, that, that the congregation grumbled against God. In verse 28, say to them, as I live says the Lord. When, he, when God says, as I live, says the Lord, this is an absolute promise. There is no way around this. This is a covenant that He has made, a, a new promise going forth. Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your, your complete number, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall now come, you shall not come into the land into which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become prey, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness. Your sons, your sons shall be shepherds for forty years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even 40 years, and you will know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be destroyed and they will die. So look at what's happened. They broke covenant. And so now he says, so what happened? He says, everybody 20 years old and upward. Why 20 years old and upward? That was the fighting age. At 20 years old, they joined the army. 20 years old, they fought. Below 20, they didn't fight. 
He says, everybody below 20 years old is going to live. Everybody over 20 years old is going to die in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. That is it. Those are the only ones coming into the land. Even Moses and Aaron didn't get into the land, but that came because of a subsequent disobedience on their behalf. But they were, they were really quite old anyway. They were uh, around 120 years old uh, <clears throat> by the time that, that Israel was to go into the land. So what you see is that that entire generation, and because of their act of disobedience, of not taking the land, they broke covenant. They were given that land. They didn't take it. And because of that, God, God cut off, uh, 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 cut them down in the land, and He also stopped the circumcision of the children of Israel. So for 40 years, for that 39 years or so, there, was, there were no circumcisions going on in the land until they crossed the Jordan. That's what they're talking about. But He says, because you grumbled against Me. There's a very interesting verse. If you look at uh, uh, verse 36, uh, um, I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely I will do this to this evil generation. And then, he, so he, he spoke all of these things and he, he says, he, he, he comes with this, this proclamation. He says, you are going to know. You are going to know what it's like to have my opposition. He says in the end of verse 35, and you will know my opposition. Imagine that. Imagine God coming and saying, you're going to know what it's like to have me oppose you. I think I just won't even get out of bed today. And then you're worried the house is just going to collapse on you. I mean, to know the opposition of God, to know the opposition. You say, wow, God was really hard back then. Let's look at, at 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. See what Paul writes about this very experience. 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. And we're going to pick it up at verse 1. And Paul makes reference to this now in the book of 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> so now this is New Testament instruction for us. You want to see what it's like to have God as an opposition? Look in the New Testament. New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren. So when he says brethren, he means people who are, he considers brothers. People who have received the Lord. This is what he's saying to them. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking of a spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, <clears throat> for they were laid low in the wilderness." <clears throat> so what he does is he makes reference to their being wiped out in the wilderness. He says with most of them, God was not well pleased. There were only two of that entire generation that were over 20 years old that got into the land. Most of them, God was not well pleased. He talks about the cloud. So there was this cloud that, that, that protected them. So remember, it was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They ate the same spiritual food. This is manna which dropped down from heaven, which we're about to see in Joshua. And then it says they all drank the same spiritual drink and they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. So in other words, the analogy, Christ is the analogy 
what he's making reference to is a spiritual rock that followed them. There is an ancient Jewish tradition, ancient, that their water came from a rock which followed them and water would pour forth from that rock. That is not referenced in the Old Testament Scriptures directly. There is a rock which Moses struck, but as far as the rock rolling with them, that is not, that is not mentioned in the Scriptures, but it is clearly a very long-standing, very old Jewish tradition. <clears throat> this is the rock that apparently Paul was familiar with that tradition. This is what he's making reference to. <clears throat> then he says in, in, verse, in verse 6, Now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor let us grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyers, by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age, ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. <clears throat> what I am trying to convey to you is to learn to live in the fear of God. To learn to live in the fear of God. This is exactly what Paul is trying to convey to them. He says, these things happen to these people in the wilderness. He says, if any of you, if any of us thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. So if we think, hey, I'm okay, this, this won't bother me. I could never fall into adultery. Couldn't happen to me. You know, I love my wife. Couldn't happen to me. He says, just watch out. What you ought to be praying is, Lord, protect me. Lord, keep me from temptation. Lord, protect my marriage. Let the marriage bond be secure. Lord, protect my marriage. You think that when you get married, you're going to find somebody and love that person and you're just going to be happily ever after. <clears throat> More than half of the people in the church experience that not to be true. They marry somebody that they love, but it does not last. So in other words, it takes more than just thinking that this is going to work out because I love the person. More than half of the people who try that, it doesn't work. What's going on? He says we are to pray. We are to pray that we are sustained in this. He says these things in verse 6 happened as examples for us <clears throat> so that they, we, we would not crave evil things as they also craved. These things are happening to them as examples for us. That entire generation fell in the wilderness and it's an example to us today. This is as an example to us. This is why we read the Scriptures because it comes into our life and it convicts us of our sin and it gives us the fear of God. Without the fear of God, we will not stand. He says, do not, he says, do not crave evil things as they also craved. This is covetousness. This is craving evil things. Where is our mind? What are we dwelling on? The Scriptures say, if there, any, if there is anything good, anything holy, anything righteous, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Don't let your mind dwell on that which is evil, because you end up fulfilling it. Don't let your mind dwell on that which is evil. All sorts of evil things come into our mind and say, Lord, help me. 
Lord, may I never do such a thing. Lord, protect me. The Scriptures say, any man who touches another man's wife will in no way go unpunished. You want to try God? You want to see what His opposition is like? That's His warning. Any man who touches another man's wife will in no way go unpunished. These are strict warnings for us. Let us take heed lest we fall. He says, these things happen. Don't crave evil things as they crave. Don't be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally. We are to fear, fear acting immorally. Fear acting immorally. You say, well, what is the difference? Well, when I'm married, then I'll, then, 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 you know, I'll, I'll be committed to one person. Oh, really? So you think you're okay because it's just fornication and not, a, 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 not adultery? Do you really think so? Not so in the Scriptures. You want to see what it's like to have God against you? Go ahead. Try the Lord. If anyone thinks he stands, let him take heed, the Scriptures say, lest he fall. These things were written as examples to us. He says... He, he says uh, uh, nor let us try the Lord, in verse 9, nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. You want to bring destruction in your life? Walk around a grumbling person, grumbling about every. Oh, you know, I, I hate this hot weather. I hate the traffic. I hate this and I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate... You start grumbling and you will see yourself spiral right down. And you will be destroyed by the destroyer. We open ourselves up to destruction when we walk in grumbling. These things have been written as examples to us so that we would learn to walk in fear. God took a generation and caused them to die in the wilderness as examples to us who are living in the end of the age. As examples to us. He says, now these things happened as examples to them in verse 11. These things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. We must have the fear of God. That generation fell because of disobedience. And God cut off from them the ability to go into the land. And this is why they didn't participate in circumcision during that time. Because they had already broken covenant. That wasn't then God cutting off the covenant with all of Israel forever. It was that generation. He was very clear. It was that generation. God dealt with a generation in Israel in three occasions. There were three sins where He dealt with a generation of Israel where they were cut off from the covenant. The first one was right there in Kadesh Barnea when they did not go into the land. The second one was after King Manasseh. After King Manasseh had let blood run in the streets, God said, you're going to be taken into captivity. And they went into 70 years in the diaspora into Babylon for 70 years. Babylon and then part, and Persia for part of the time before they got back into the land. It says Manasseh repented. He repented. But still the promise had already been made and they spent 70 years 
in captivity. It says in Kadesh Barnea, they repented after Moses had proclaimed upon them what was going to happen. They said, we'll go ahead, take the land. And they tried to do it and they got defeated because the, the promise had already been made. And the third was against the generation in the days of Jesus. And we've read this before in this class. We've studied this. That is the, the, the unpardonable sin. Jesus made the proclamation, the unpardonable sin, because they blasphemed against the Holy Spirit, which was the denial of the Messiah when He was physically present among them and they denied Him. He fulfilled the three things that the rabbis said that, that Messiah would fulfill. After the third one was fulfilled, they said He was filled with Beelzebub, a devil. And Jesus proclaimed upon them the destruction upon that generation. He says, this generation, this generation, meaning that living generation. And that came upon them in 70 AD. There was no turning back. Individuals like Paul could get saved out of that generation, but it was going to come on that generation. Those were three distinct proclamations that we have in history, where, where, where the generation, a generation among the Jews fell out of covenant for a particular generation, and then it was restored after them. But what we see here is that we need to walk in the fear of God. So let's, let's turn back to uh, Joshua chapter, chapter 5. So, at, so, so that's why they, they, they now had the, the circumcision. <clears throat> now in verse 8 of Joshua chapter 5. Now, when they had finished circumcising all the nation, and by the way, that is estimated to be around 700,000 men were circumcised on that day. 700,000 men. They remained in their place in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So they named that place, and it's called Gilgal to this day. So here is Gilgal. Right here. So they crossed the Jordan, and there's Gilgal right there. The first city they're going to attack is Jericho right there. So the exact location of Gilgal is not known because it's not yet been found. Archaeology has not yet found Gilgal. It was a temporary site that was the headquarters for Israel just when they came into the land. And then it was, it, it, it was uh, uh, later changed closer in, not, not Jerusalem. Jerusalem didn't come till much later, till the days of, of, of David. David conquered Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Joshua conquered the king of Jerusalem, but he never went and took the city. And the city wasn't taken until Second uh, uh, Samuel, the book of Second Samuel. But um, uh, so, so uh, Gilgal means rolling. I've rolled away the, the reproach. <clears throat> this is again another blessing and protection of the Lord. He had seven hundred thousand men from eight days old, every male from eight days old and older, which included all of their fighting men, all of that that fighting generation. They were all had to be healed. And there was a massive protection that had to have been upon them because they were quite vulnerable in that time. In fact, there was an occasion, and, and if you've ever read the book of Genesis, you might know this occasion, where, where, Jacob's, two, where, where Jacob's daughter, it says Jacob's daughter went and she, she uh, uh, started reaching out and, and she... Um, uh, uh, started befriending the young ladies of the land. We, we can look at that. Let, let's look at Genesis chapter 34 because it's an interesting chapter and it, and it, and it, has, uh, and it ha actually has some, uh, so, some interesting uh, 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 lessons for us. So if you look in Genesis chapter 34, verse 1. <clears throat> now, now uh, uh, Jacob had 12 sons, but he also had a daughter named Dinah. 
And it says in in Genesis 34, verse 1, Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, so so Jacob had several wives. One of his wives was Leah. They had a daughter named Dinah. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the land. When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he took her and he lay with her by force. He was deeply attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and he spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, get me this young girl for a wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, but his sons were with the livestock in the field. So Jacob kept silent until they came in. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak to him. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field, and when they heard it, and the men were, the, the men were grieved, and they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. So Dinah went out and she started mixing, she started visiting the daughters of the land. This was her first problem. She was raped. That is not her problem. She was raped. It was clear that she was, that the prince of the land came out, was attracted to her, saw her, and it says in verse 2 that he lay with her by force. But what she did is she went out and she began to mix with the women of the land. She put her in a, it put her in a place of great vulnerability. Great vulnerability. The act of rape is not the woman's fault. But what Dinah did is she left the security of her people and she went and she started to mix with the daughters of the land. The New Testament puts it this way. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Bad company corrupts good morals. You hang out with the wrong people, you will get drawn into trouble. You hang out with the wrong people, you'll get drawn into trouble. Dinah hung out with the wrong people, got her into trouble. She was raped. It says that her, her brothers came back. They heard about it. What they said is, on one condition, on one condition, it says they said it deceitfully, on one condition we'll let you marry our sister. And that is, all of the men among you get circumcised. Not just you, but, but all the men in your clan get circumcised. And they said, okay, we'll do it, because amongst them they had a conversation. They said, look how rich these these uh, uh, the sons of Jacob are. We'll end up with all their cattle. Let's, let's go ahead and do this. So they got circumcised. It says on the third day, while they were in terrible pain and recovering, that two sons of Jacob, Levi and, and, uh, and Simeon, Simeon and Levi went and they killed that entire family, that entire clan. They killed them all. All the males among them, they killed while they were in their pain. That's why I say that Israel was in great vulnerability. What happens to a man when this is occurring in an environment like that, there is so much pain and so much recovery period that after three days, two men could come in and kill that entire clan. Now, if you think those two men got away with it, it was not so. Jacob said, why did you do this? Why did you kill them and break your agreement? And nothing happened to them, but in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob curses them on his bed. He brings in all his sons to bless them, and he curses three of his sons. Reuben he cursed because Reuben had gone up and laid with one of Jacob's uh, 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 concubines at one point, and he he cursed Reuben. Simeon and Levi, he said, you'll never have an established land. You'll never have an established land. May you be subservient to your brothers. 
And you will find when they get into the land eventually, when they eventually get into the land, who never gets a piece of land? Levi never gets a piece of land. They are given little cities and it says you will be spread out among your brothers. They are never given a piece of land. They become the priests and they are spread out in cities. They never get a piece of land. Simeon, if you look in the early plots, they were given land. They were given land down here. Simeon was given <clears throat> this land down here. But they were later subsumed by, by uh, uh, the tribe of Judah. Judah spread out and subsumed all of Simeon. And that's why you'll see on early maps, you'll see Simeon down there. Later maps, you no longer see Simeon because it says that that land was Judah's land. They were subsumed. And there's references to that in the scripture that when Judah would go to fight, they would say, come on, Simeon, with us, you live among us. They were cursed for that. We don't get away with anything. We think people don't see it and we get away with it. No, that doesn't happen. We don't get away with stuff especially as believers, especially as ones who fear God. If we do wrong, remember, we must repent. If you do not repent, where you change your ways, we are really in for it. Even with repentance, there may be things you have to deal with in life to heal it up. Even with repentance. But if we try to hide it, it will be exposed. It definitely will be exposed. We'll talk more about this next time. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for the truth of it. Lord, I pray for these young people that You will place within their hearts the fear of God. Father, they would learn to fear You. If anyone here thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. Father, I pray that You would place within us the fear of God to obey Your commandments. For Jesus said, if anyone loves Me, he will keep My commandments. Father, I pray that you would cause these young people to keep your commandments and so live. And Lord, I pray for those here who do not know you. Draw them to yourself. Draw them to yourself, I pray. Let the mercies of God draw them. And if you don't know the Lord and you want to know Him, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you've risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray for each one here that you bless and protect them, that you draw them close, and that they glorify you in their lives. For the glory of our Lord Jesus. Amen.